Well, we've been waiting around for some offensive coordinator news, and we got some offensive coach news, but it's a new offensive line coach. What? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, December 15th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and it is a special treat today because it's not just half of the Heel Tough blog, Mr. Anthony Pagnata. We got our other guy, Josh Marlowe, in with us. And boy, howdy, I I don't know what kind of fireworks are going to fly today, but I am here for it want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day to help you get all the best news on your team every day. So an overview of where we're headed today. We're going to get caught up on the portal because it's been about a week since we've talked about that. A little bit of a primer of Carolina's bowl game against the Oregon Quack Quackers. And uh, man, I'm, I can't tell you, boys, how many uh, Mighty Ducks jokes I'm going to make along the way. So just get ready for that. But... We have to start with the big news that dropped yesterday, Wednesday. The, the offensive coordinator search carries on. And I so because of that, I've been trying to stay away from any talk about hiring an offensive line coach because, frankly, there's no point in talking about an offensive line coach till you have an offensive coordinator. But uh, apparently, I was dead stinking wrong because on Wednesday, about 12.33, it dropped into my, or 1.33 Eastern time, it dropped into my inbox. New offensive line coach announced Randy Clements coming to Carolina from TCU, the mean green. Boys, uh, I I don't know about you. I did not see this coming. Where are you at on it? Yeah, I I did not. I I don't think anybody thought this was going to be the move first. Uh, A lot of people thought you get an offensive coordinator in here, um, much like you did with Phil Longo, and he's going to go out and hire his own offensive line coach. But this is kind of the way things, you know, have been done under Mac Brown. It's all about relationships. And apparently Mac, I don't know if he has a relationship. It must. I'm assuming that Randy Clements is a guy with his experience that he met along the way. Sure. Yeah. Um, so that. I think I think it's possible that that's where you know this hire sort of came from. Um, but I also believe that this may sort of hint to the direction that the staff is potentially looking for okay. their next offensive coordinator. Okay. Um, Interesting. Some mystery there. We'll get to that, certainly. But I am intrigued by that news, Mr. Pagnata. Uh, Marlo, let me read a little bit from the press release, and then I want to get your take on this as well. Uh, Just the first couple sentences say, The University of North Carolina has named 35-year veteran Randy Clements its new offensive line coach. Head coach Mack Brown announced on Wednesday. Clements is a renowned offensive line coach, spent 20 seasons mentoring the position group at the collegiate level. Clements has a track record of being one of the top offensive line coaches in the country. From 2010 to 20, he was part of nine offenses that ranked among the top 13 in the country, including three straight number one ranked units from 13 to 15 at Baylor. He comes to Carolina after spending the last two years at North Texas. So, Josh, when I when I read that, I I'm encouraged to be to be honest, we're recording this. Let like less than two hours after this news dropped. So we're all still kind of getting caught up a little bit here. But but Josh, when when you hear that, when you see this news, wh- where are you at on it? 
Well, you know, you, you mentioned that maybe this gives you, you know, a direction on where the offensive coordinator hire is going to go. He was at Baylor. That was an air raid offense. That was an offense that, you know, at that time they, they threw the ball, they spread, you know, all the way across the field, vertically, horizontally. And, you know, a couple guys that I've really been pressing for have been guys that run air raid style offenses with a guy like Drake May, who's going to be back next year. You want to make the most of his ability. And so that was my first takeaway was that maybe we're going to go to a guy from the, you know, Mike Leach coaching tree who just passed away earlier this week. Yeah, and there, yeah. there are a lot of names that Carolina is going to be interested with ties to that, to that, that, to that air raid offense. And so uh, it's going to be interesting. The thing about it is, because Carolina has such good offensive talent outside of Drake May, this is going to be a coordinator job that's going to be in demand, and Matt Brown should be able to get just about whoever he wants. Absolutely, and and I think so. Let's go on in that direction. I mean, I'm in a in a Twitter group thread with Pagnotta, and one of the first things he jumped on and said, as he just uh, alluded to a minute ago, is this might be instructive specifically, not just of the, the offensive direction Carolina will take. And I think that makes a lot of sense because that way you don't have to change much personnel wise on the field. If you maintain kind of a Phil Longo style offense, but not just offensive uh, scheme, but in terms of the actual person, Pagnotta, what does this hire lead you to believe about the offensive coordinator search? I think there's a really good chance that it could end up being Seth Luttrell, the former Tar Heel offensive coordinator. Uh, I think, you know, you look at the other guys that he has worked with along the way, Randy Clements, that is. Uh, none of the other guys that are on that list that we've talked about, he has worked with. Um, so mm -hmm. it, it really does make you wonder. You know, they had a lot of success together these past couple of years. Um, his, his offensive lines were one of the better in the country in terms of rushing yards, um, as well as tackles for loss allowed and sacks allowed. So, uh, you wonder if keeping him in that same system is something that Carolina is really toying with at this point. And Seth Luttrell's a guy that, you know, we, we've seen it. And even these last few years at North Texas, they haven't been as lethal as, his unit was here in 2015 sure, sure. and even back in 2014, sure. but it's still a big part of what Carolina, it, you know, has, has been doing for the last few years. The offenses are very, very similar. Um, they put up really good numbers still. So I, I think there is a chance that it could end up being Seth the trail. And this could be something that's pointing us in that direction. Interesting. I mean, that, that just seems to make sense to me, right? Like it just lines up. It's just the, the order of it is still confusing. And that's what gives me pause and hesitation on that. Um, Josh, when you look at this thing, does, does it make sense for you for it to be Seth Luttrell? I mean, is it still worth looking at, at a Garrett Riley or some of these other names we've heard mentioned in the past week or so? It, it does make a lot of sense. He was on staff like Gene Chizik was the last time they made the ACC title game when Larry Fedora was here. He understands what it takes to play offensive football, how to play good offensive football in the modern era, how to recruit kids to play North to play football at Carolina, um, and, and what it takes to win at Carolina because you can win here. It's just a different challenge with how good the basketball program yeah. has been historically, and so. Uh, it, it, it really does make a lot of sense. You know, for me, he wasn't the first guy that came to mind. Garrett sure. Wright came to mind uh, for me uh, uh, first off. You've got Graham Harrell, the OC at West Virginia. If you go and look at his numbers, they aren't sexy, but he was on the, the short list for Matt Brown when he got hired back in uh -huh. 19. So there's already that established relationship. 
And then I would keep an eye on Cliff Kingsbury if he were to get fired from the Arizona Cardinals because I think he fits better in the college game altogether. Yep. What better way to re you know rebrand his image than with a guy like Drake May at the college level? Uh, but but Seth Luttrell definitely is going to factor into this hire, and 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 and, and that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah, and either of those guys, Harrell or Kingsbury, are obviously part of that Texas Tech Mike Leach uh, coaching tree that we're talking about there. And so, uh, obviously, when you think those years uh, under Mike Leach, boy, that that air raid offense was something there in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, love all that. I mean, part of it for me is um, if you're going to go get Garrett Riley, that's only to me going to happen if Mac Brown is okay eventually leaving the team in his hands when he leaves. I, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but it seems like he is bound for a head coaching job at some point in the near future. And so it's like, if you're looking for longevity at the offensive coordinator spot, I'm just not sold myself that, um, that Riley is the guy because of that. Again, unless there, there's some level in which you're willing to leave him uh, in charge in a couple of years. I don't any quick responses to that, guys? I mean, I I think you have to you have to look at the idea. I, I mean, Mac Brown. I'm not saying that he's losing touch or anything like that, but he is getting older, and we've seen, especially with you know on, on the college basketball side of things, you know, you wonder how how I'm not going to say interested, but you, you know, it, it is going to I think wear on Mac Brown at some yeah. point. Yeah. All the different stuff that you have to deal with nowadays in the modern era of college sports. So yeah. you wonder if that could play a factor. I think Garrett Riley's probably a guy that's on his way to eventually being a head coach somewhere. Um, so I, I, I think in that case, yeah, I mean, if you're factoring that in, I think you do have to take a serious look at it, though. And I, I mean, I think you were going to have to do that anyways if you kept Phil Longo, to be honest yeah, with you. So yeah, I, I, that that wouldn't deter me in, in, in any fashion. Okay. Marlo? Yeah, yeah I'll follow up by saying you got to remember that uh, his older brother, who is Lincoln Riley, now the head coach at USC, he's coached football in the state. He was the OC at East Carolina under, under Ruffin McNeil. You know, it's now been a little bit over a decade or so. So, you know, he probably has – some you know some sort of established relationship with certain high schools yeah. and stuff like that um he's a young offensive mind so you know that that always resonates in today's era of football and so it's something that's got to be considered but you know this is also we didn't really hear this name until this past year when TCU went on this magical run right. that's and right so i think that's going to be the question Mac Brown's got to really think long and hard about Am I turning this guy over who just had, you know, lightning in a bottle? Or is this a guy that projects to be a 10 to 15 type of coach who can keep Tar Heel football relevant from a national perspective? Whew. It's fun, boys. It's so fun to talk about all this and dream about what might be and what could be. Obviously, as we've said, it seems a little bass backwards, but now we've got an offensive line coach and uh, there will hopefully be an offensive coordinator name on the way soon. A big part of the question, though, is who's he going to be coaching? Uh, we're still looking at the transfer portal. We're looking at who's going pro, all of these things. We're going to catch up on that in just a minute. But first, this episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few become a few too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but now nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. 
deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, or starting to get bad. You total your car, or perhaps you even kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Well, uh, from that very serious and somber note, uh, let's get back into talking about the transfer portal. We've got, I've got a whole list of names in front of me here of guys that we know have either decided to leave, have decided to leave and come back in Day Day Holland's case, whatever it may be. We obviously know Jacoby Criswell is going to Arkansas, which is awesome. I live an hour north. I might get to go see him play uh, in Fayetteville. That'd be great. Um, but guys, as, as you look at some of these names that are gone or are thinking about going, who are one or two of them that stand out to each of you? Marlo, let's start with you. You know, the, the first one that really caught my eye, that really made me, you know, second, you know, go, oh, dang, had to be Storm Duck. I, uh, I thought the yeah. second half of his season, and he was closer to what you saw back in 2019. And that guy had all ACC, even all American type of talent. And then the second one was Ra Ra Dilworth. This was a guy that I projected to burst out on the scene in a major way this year. Thought he was the future of that linebacking core uh, with Power Eccles. And it just never came to fruition. When the first initial wave of transfers started going through, like Criswell, we knew that was coming after he lost a quarterback battle. And then when you lost, you know, half your, you know, when you lost your defensive backfield, outside of Storm Duck, I didn't blink an eye. Because I'm going to be honest with you, Shade, I don't think those guys are very good. (laughs) Uh, And and, and so I feel like, you know, and and for Tony Grimes, I think he was being becoming more of a distraction off the field than he was a player on the field. And so I think in that area, Carolina actually gains to get a better cornerback room Mm. from a talent perspective, from a chemistry perspective, if they address their needs the right way in the portal in recruiting. But, you know, this is something that as a lifelong college sports fan, um, I've had to adapt to because we believe Carolina to be this special place. And it's hard seeing all these all these kids leave. But in this day and age with NIL and stuff like that, it's understandable. But look. But, uh, you know, the, the first two that really caught my eye were Storm Duck and Ra Ra Dilworth. Yes. And apparently Siri wants to get in on that conversation. Yeah. Marlo's phone's talking back to him. For those of you who are listening to the show, that was the best part of my day. Uh, Pagnata, what about you? What are some other names that stood out for you? I mean, I think Siri was a, a little heartbroken that Tony Grimes is in the portal. <laughs> but uh, now, I mean, I, I think, you know, those were definitely two big ones. I think Grimes is just big because he's a former five-star recruit. That's right. He's a guy that I think y- you have to sort of realize the presence that his his dad and him himself have in the state of Virginia and the yeah. impact that that could potentially have on recruiting. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Storm Good Duck word. is, is – probably the most shocking to me um and i think to be honest with you it's probably a bad reflection on dre Bly. it's it's showing you that look if this many corners are entering the transfer portal what do they think of you they they clearly don't look at you as a guy that can 
develop players at this level. And I think we've kind of come to know that at this point. Mac Brown, as of right now, still hasn't made any moves on the defensive side of the football. Um, really, he didn't make any moves on the offensive side either. This hire uh, that we just talked about a little bit earlier, um, it was kind of made for him. So yeah. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they recover from that one because, yeah, you had a dude that finished second team all ACC in Storm Duck, um, a guy that I thought was was showing those playmaker abilities that we saw his freshman season again when he was fully healthy. And I think that's been a big part of the reason why he has struggled on yeah. and off these yeah. last couple of years. Yep. Um, and then the other big one, I think when you kind of couple it with Grimes is Keyshawn Silver, because yeah. that's your, that, that that's back-to-back classes that you lost former five-star guys, lost the top recruits in those classes that you had brought in. So Look, Keyshawn Silver was one of those guys that I think just kind of got lost in the shuffle. I think he really fit Jay Bateman's defense a lot better than he fit Gene Chizik's defense in terms of the the defensive front that they ran with three three down linemen instead of uh, four. And so he kind of got kicked to defensive tackle. He had to put on a lot of weight. Um, He actually, believe it or not, from trying to put on so much weight, became a little overweight at 315 pounds. And so it it just never really worked out for him, I think, at Carolina. But it's big because now, you know, you still got Travis Shaw that's there. But a lot of people are probably looking and saying, look, you get the guys, but you can't keep them in Chapel Hill. So that, that is definitely a concern that I had from the guys that entered. I think that's a good word. I mean, it makes you think there and the and the area between getting them and keeping them is the development. And I think that's the question that comes into play is what's happening between those times. Um, for me with Rara, I'm with you on that, Marlo. Like I, I don't know if it's just like he sees the writing on the wall of like, hey, we play a four-two-five scheme and said and power are the guys that are out there the majority of the time you know i know he gets a lot of third down run in in obvious passing situations but um i mean maybe that's part of it but yeah i hate losing him here's my follow-up question for you guys about the cornerback spot specifically is you lose both of your starting corners um in in storm duck and tony grimes do you guys feel like you saw enough from Legend Cavazos and Marcus Allen um, in the last game or two that that give you comfort that Carolina has what they need there? Do they need to go in the portal and bring in more guys themselves? Where, where are you at on that? Yeah, I definitely think they they look. I liked what I saw from those guys, especially Allen. Um, I think he's got a ton of potential, and that that was him doing that as a true freshman. Um, I thought Cavazos was was. You know, so-so, but I, I I think you saw, you know, some po- more positives than negatives from him in those final two games of the year. I still think you got to go into the portal, and clearly so does this staff with the guys that they have approached. Yeah. Um, I know that they had Elijah Huzzy on, on campus uh, this past weekend to transfer from East Tennessee State, who had uh, six interceptions, 22 pass deflections last year, was an FCS All-American, also – uh, was a uh, FCS freshman All-American uh, his first year back in 2021. Um, and they've also, they, they're also having another guy visit this weekend. Wisconsin corner transfer, uh, Samar Melvin is coming in. So uh, I think Carolina clearly looks at that position and says we need to bring guys in. And I don't think that either one of those guys would be brought in just to fill depth. 
which is something that they have to worry about as well. I think these are moves to try to not to, to upgrade the talent in that room as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Marlo. Go. Yeah. For me, um, I was really impressed with what I saw from Marcus Allen the last game and a half. He made a play in the second half against NC State where he blew up a block and then made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage. That's, that was impressive. We didn't see a whole lot of that from Storm Duck and Tony Grimes the last couple of years. Uh, as for Legend Cavazos, he's still got a long way to go to become a legendary player wow. at UC. Um, but but make no mistake, Matt Brown knows that they've they look they got to add talent. They got to add depth to that cornerback room. Right. And you know, Shade, I don't want to lob a bomb on your podcast. I don't think it all matters unless you move on from Dre Bly. Like, Dre Bly, I think, has a place in this program. Um, as a recruiter, he's invaluable to Carolina football. But you're talking about a guy who you you gave him a, 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 a title as a position coach at the Power 5 level with minimal head coaching experience. And the results after four years haven't been what they need to be. Yep. And and that's something where, you know, as Tar Heel fans, we get frustrated with Mac Brown because those are decisions that are tough, but you got to be willing to make. Yep. And so I don't know if maybe this happens after the bowl game or not, but that's got to be something he looks at and say, for our defense to be where we want it to be, we've got to have somebody else coaching because those guys, the, the, the list that enter the portal, it's not all by accident. It's nope. because they don't feel like they're being coached the way they want to be coached. Yep. And so there needs to be a hard conversation had about Dre Bly's future as Carolina's corners coach. I, I think that's absolutely fair. Honestly, I'm I'm more concerned about your terrible pun than you dropping a defensive back bomb on me. And so uh, Pagnotta's just up there shaking his head at you. That's, that's all every, the time. Every podcast. This is every <laughs> podcast. And they're never oh. funny either. So No. And, and so going back to, man, the ETSU connection, keep in mind, who is on staff at ETSU? None other than Josh Downs' father. And so there might be some good connections there as you consider um what what carolina might be able to pull so uh lots of possibilities one of the big questions is with some of these guys leaving with draft declarations who's going to play in this bowl game for the tar heels as they take on the ducks we're going to talk more about that in just a second but first this episode is brought to you by bet on Line. Bet online is your source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball, soccer, I've got the World Cup going on behind me here, and esports, they got it all at betonline.net. Make sure you go ahead and check out the line for this Carolina Oregon game. Actually, don't because it's ugly. Uh, it's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, fellas, here we go. December 28th, Wednesday, the Holiday Bowl, San Diego, California, the home of the Padres Petco Park. Number 15, Oregon versus unranked North Carolina coming at you. Ducks favored by 14. I don't want to get down too far into the weeds on this thing yet. Just a little bit of a 40,000-foot view. And coming out of our portal talk we've just have been having, this is the big question I want to ask you guys in this conversation is – what I mean, what are we looking at? We know Drake May's coming back, and so I mean that's the best news. You got the best player on your football team out there, but outside of that, uh, what, what are you looking at and expecting to see in this game? I think you're probably expecting 
a lot of sloppiness. I think, you know, offensively you may see a unit that's still, um, you know, up, up to speed, although we don't even know who the offensive coordinator for the game is. <laughs> um, there is nobody on this staff. Gray Bly. Has, Gray Bly is coaching the offense for this game. I mean, it would probably have a lot of success. He knows how to give up big plays. So, I, I mean, I, I think – that's the thing you got to figure out is how does your quarterback respond to, you know, not having an OC? Like we don't, uh, the, the guy that I think may end up being the OC, the only guy that has offensive coordinator experience is Sparky Woods. So, I mean, what's he doing? I don't know. Book? Yeah. I mean, he's going to have the book out. He will go for every fourth down possible. I mean, <laughs> it, it could be crazy. Um, and then defensively, defensively, look, you got your staff there. But your depth, especially in the defensive backfield, is is in question. You got to just hope that. I mean, you, you you're going to play Cavazos and Allen, so you might be fine. But the thing is, is you're probably a little bit concerned about if one of those guys goes down. How That's much right. are we risking by putting somebody else out there? So it, it's it, it is one of the weirdest bowl games that I have ever been a part of like that we've seen this team be a part of they're, they're going to have a lot of different things to figure out and you know all the while it seems like it's a pretty important one too because if they lose this they lose four straight to close the season you miss out on uh, on a double digit win season after being nine and one at one point so i, I it's th- this is a tough bowl game all around about as tough as it gets yeah yeah go ahead, ahead mother the first thing for me is that uh, it should be the best uniform matchup maybe of the entire bowl season. Right. It should be aesthetically uh, pleasing <laughs> on the eyes, but this is this is a really important game for the future and the direction of, of Tar Heel football under Matt Brown. Like, we entered this season at a crossroads with him and, and if, if he's the right guy after what last year was. And, you know, if, if you win the bowl game, it doesn't erase your three straight losses, but you achieve a double-digit win season, which doesn't happen here very often. That's right. Um, you know, you, and, and with that, you'll just feel a lot better going into your winter program, into spring ball and all that. But on the flip side, if you lose, that's four straight losses, nine and five. You just lost two offensive coaches willingly leaving the program. The questions are going to start to turn back up. And I don't think we're ready to have the you know that conversation just yet again because we all love Mac Brown. I think we're all better Tar Heel football fans with him leading the program as opposed to some other guys here. And so um, it 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 wouldn't be Tar Heel football any other way to have so many extracurricular circumstances around it. Um, but but make no make, make no mistake, this is an extremely important game for the Tar Heel football program moving forward. One of, one of the difficult things for me, and like Marlo, you were addressing this earlier, like in, in this day and age, like obviously we're talking about the Carolina side of it, but schools all over the country are dealing with people out, people in, all of these issues and scenarios. It's like, I, I'm not even convinced at this point that the bowl season can continue to exist as we know it now, because every team is dealing with attrition outside of, you know, like maybe outside of the CFP 14 or 12 when we get there in a year or two. And so like, is it like even outside of Carolina's game, which yeah, man, I mean, no Josh downs. That's, that's just killing me. Uh, But like outside of that, is it time for 
the the CFP committee or, or whomever to take a long and hard look at what we're doing with bowls? You know, what? Well, what's funny is me and me and Pagnotta, we were talking about this, you know, on the side. The most important part of bowl season isn't even the game anymore. It's those extra 15 practices that you get That's leading true. up where, you know, you, you where you get to get a lot of guys extra reps. And so, like, let's just say if Carolina goes through its bowl preparation, even travels out there to San Diego, and then they do all the, the bowl, you know, festivities, and then, you know, three hours before the game, just load the bus and tell them, hey, we're not coming like UCLA did a year ago. I'm not going to be all that mad because we still got those 15 practices in. And and that's what coaches tell you is the most important. Right. You know, they, they want to win the game, absolutely. But bowl season, like the team that usually wins is the team that shows up more invested. That's right. And, and you know, Carolina is going to be, you know, they're, they're going to they're be dealing with some losses. This Oregon team, you know, they blew a massive lead in their rivalry game to lose, you know, mm-hmm. in their final week of the season. Like Carolina, they had CFP playoff hopes at one point that went out the window. You don't know where their head's going to be. And so I do think it's something as we look to expand the playoff, maybe it is time to just get rid of some of the unnecessary bowl games. Because with the transfer portal right now, you're going to have a team at some point withdrawal for not having enough guys to go out and play a game from a healthy, let alone a competitive standpoint. And that's an important point that I, I don't think we're talking about much. Pagnata is like, do teams not not just Carolina, but all sorts of teams, do they have enough depth to avoid potential injuries to guys that just shouldn't be out there because they're not ready or capable or what whatever it is? I mean, goodness, it seems like we're just it's like glorified Pro Bowls all over the country at this point. Yeah, no, it's starting to get that feel, and I think that's something that the bowl committee has to kind of determine themselves. You know, do you? Do you think that this is still safe to be able to play some of these games? I think, you know, games like the Holiday Bowl, those would probably stay because they're they're good enough teams. They're going to bring in TV ratings. Yep. But, yeah, some of these smaller bowls, I think you're right. You, you kind of have to wonder, will they stick around? Um, you know, the good news is, is I, I don't know if anybody has been completely decimated to the point where they're not going to be able to play. I mean, I know, you know, Texas A&M has lost a ton of guys, but – they're not bowl eligible, as as we we know. We've heard a lot about. Um, so I, I think those are going to be the types of teams that you'll always see that will suffer from these types of moves. But I mean, it, it's it's a valid point. I mean, look at for example, just look at Stanford. That's a team we we were you know we've heard um, you know in the group that we're in and 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 through you know a couple of other sources that Carolina could potentially be looking at. Uh, two guys that were a part of their offensive line a year ago, both of those guys were their centers. It was their starting center and their backup center. So as of right now, if you go and look at their depth chart online, they do not have a starting center or they don't have anybody at center. So that's the point. Now they're three and nine, so it doesn't matter. But like, I think it's going to become a risk assessment for Mm coaches and programs around the country athletic directors will sit down with their head coaches each and every year and say look do we want to actually accept this invitation and then what becomes the issue is if you decline the invitation then that means you're going to start seeing that they're going to go down the line eventually you're going to see teams that are five and seven you may even see four and eight teams that go and play in bowl games because it's all about the money 
that they're bringing in. Look, we we know it. Even if it's a four and eight team against a seven and five team, we'll probably still watch because it's college football. So I think that that's the thing that they're going to have to determine, and, and you could see a lot of that moving forward. Okay. Great conversations today, guys. Anthony Pagnotta, Josh Marlowe, the Heel Tough Blog dudes. Thank you so much for coming on today. Folks, make sure you check out their great work at the Heel Tough Blog. You can follow Josh at HTB underscore Josh. You can follow Anthony at HTB Anthony. No underscore in that one. That's so confusing to me every time, but I always figure it out one way or another. Uh, Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to get you prepped for the CBS Sports Classic. Carolina has a quad one opportunity against Ohio State inside the greatest Madison Square Garden. The whatever the the whole thing about it's the greatest arena in the world or something. I don't know. It's in the middle of Manhattan. Um, And so really appreciate you joining us. You can email the show locked on Tar Heels at gmail.com for your next listen. Check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast. Biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave some comments on our conversation today. Really appreciate you spending part of your Thursday hanging out with us three doofuses talking Carolina football. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, right? You know it. Until tomorrow, peace.